We are entering the holiday season. Can you believe it? Thanksgiving is this week, and we just want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and it will be my second Thanksgiving without my dad. Uh, last year, he was, he, had, he was just really sick. He had stage four cancer and was not able to make it to our Thanksgiving uh, dinner, and he died last year on November the 26th. So this is a bit of an emotional season for me because uh, it's right at the death uh, of my father. Uh, but I am thankful. I've got so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for all of God's blessings, and I'm looking forward to celebrating Thanksgiving with my family. My oldest boy is home from college, everybody, and so got everybody home for college and looking forward to that. And then we're heading right into the Christmas season, and as many of you know, we always bless under-resourced children with new Christmas toys so they can have a great Christmas. And this year, we're partnering with Salvation Army. We're partnering with Positive Tomorrow, Real Single Moms, Day Spring Center. And here's how you can help. You can go buy brand new unwrapped Christmas toys and bring them back next Sunday and drop them in the boxes in the lobby. And we're going to bless some children this Christmas season. And then we're also in the miracle offering season. And if you're new with us, please let me say this. You please feel no need to, to participate. We're just really, really glad that you're here, that you're worshiping Jesus with us on this week of Thanksgiving. But all of us that call People's Church home, we are praying about a sacrificial offering that we're going to give over and above our tithe by December the 31st. And the miracle offering will not only go to help us keep all the civil engineering and all the architectural work moving forward on the 23 acres of land that we own in Edmond, but it's going to also help us reach people with the love of God locally, nationally, and all around the world through our missions efforts. So if you haven't received the miracle offering brochure yet that explains all the different ways that your miracle offering is going to make a difference, as you leave out the doors today, our ushers will be there. They'll hand you a miracle offering brochure that you can read up on and just see how your miracle offering is going to make a difference. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to prepare our hearts. I want to teach you the top five lessons I've learned about generosity. Tiffany and I, we always strive to lead by examples. We are tithers. We are going to give thousands of dollars in the miracle offering in November. And God has taught us so much about living a generous life. And so what I want to do is give you our top five lessons. I, I mean, I had a lot of lessons and I narrowed it down to the top five lessons. And I believe these lessons are going to minister to your heart and going to help you draw closer to the Lord. Now, as I teach from my own life and the scriptures, don't get all uptight because I'm talking about generosity. Hey, I've been pastoring for 21, 21 years. Now, people get weird when pastors talk about money. Come on, just look at your neighbor. Come on, help me. I look at your neighbor and say, don't get weird. Come on, tell them that. Don't get all, come on, don't get all uptight right now. And, and, and I honestly do understand why some people get uptight. Because how many know that preachers have been weird? Come on, there have been some weird preachers. And some preachers have some wrong motives and wrong teaching when it comes to generosity. But here's my heart, is I truly want to help you grow stronger in your faith in the Lord. 
So let's dive in. I want to give you the top five, and these are uh, these changed my life. The top five generosity principles I've learned over the years. Here's the first one: the principle of the heart. In my early twenties, I learned that giving is more of a heart issue than an income issue. And learning this principle early in my marriage with Tiffany, it really helped us to just cultivate this heart of generosity. So we got married. I was 22, and Tiffany was 20. And when we got married, we got ourselves into a lot of debt. We had a lot of credit card debt, student loan debt, car debt. We had thousands upon thousands of dollars of debt. We were living in Missouri. We were renting a small two-bedroom apartment. I had just started traveling full-time as an evangelist, and God connected me with evangelist missionary Lynn Wheeler. Uh, Lynn has spoken here several times. Him and his wife uh, attend our church when they're not traveling, and Lynn mentored me. And I'll never forget, the first time we met, we met at God's place. Brahms. Come on, somebody. God could move in a Brahms. Boy, I'm telling you. And we met at Brahms, and he started to mentor me. And one of the lessons he taught me was to be generous right where we were. In other words, he taught us, don't wait to be generous because giving is a heart issue, not an income issue. And I watched him. I watched Lynn close. I watched him tithe personally. I watched him tithe off his ministry, and he gave offerings like crazy. And so Tiffany and I, we followed his example. We began to tithe. We, well, we were already tithing personally, but we started to tithe off our ministry and business accounts. We started to give offerings like crazy, uh, the, even though we were in debt up to our eyeballs. And here's what I'm glad about. I'm so glad that we did because it developed a heart of generosity inside of us. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of, catch this, very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty, extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. So they had extreme poverty and yet they were rich in generosity because being generous isn't about income. It's about heart. And if we're not intentionally generous, our hearts will naturally drift into greed. Here's what Jesus said about greed in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. He says, watch out. Come here by shout, watch out. You have to watch out for greed. It's sneaky. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable, Jesus did. He said, the ground of this certain rich man, it yielded an abundant harvest. And this man thought to himself, well, what am I going to do? I have no place to store all my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. This man was focused only on himself. His barns, his grain, his bank accounts, his savings, his new car, his home, his retirement, his food in the refrigerator. And he said in verse 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him this night, hey, this night you're being a fool because you're going to die. Your life's going to be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
And this is how it will be to whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, let me say this. This is important. I, I don't want you to misinterpret this scripture. There's nothing wrong with having savings or investing in the future or having margin financially. That's actually biblical as you study your Bible. This man's problem was the fact that he wasn't generous towards God. He was only generous to himself. And Jesus told him he was being a fool because he was only thinking about himself. He was full of greed. And I've learned that giving kills greed in our hearts. You'll never meet a greedy giver. And I'm so grateful that early in our 20s, Tiffany and I learned that giving is not an income issue. It's a heart issue. Here's the second biggest lesson I've learned, top lesson on generosity, the principle of eternity. I've learned that being generous towards God has helped me to live with eternity on my mind. It's so easy for all of us to get so focused on earth, so focused on the here and now that we lose sight of eternity. And when we live only for the things of this earth, we actually become an enemy of Christ and his plan and his purpose for our lives. Here's what Paul says as he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3 and, and verse number 18. He says, for as I have told, often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, notice this next word, many, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And one of the ways we set our minds on heavenly things is by giving our time, our talent, and our treasure to build the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 21 and verse 22. Jesus looked at him, and I love this, and loved him, the rich young ruler. And he said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, notice, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And this man was living with only earth on his mind. He was worshiping his wealth instead of worshiping with his wealth. He was rich on earth, but broke in heaven. Because you can't, how many know this? You can't take a U-Haul of money and possessions with you to heaven. Come on, somebody. But you can send them ahead by investing them, your resources, into the kingdom of God. We oftentimes hear this. Come on. I think all, all of us have heard this at one time. It's, 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 it, life is short, so you better enjoy it. But I think it would be better to even say eternity is long, so you better prepare for it. And so we need to store up treasure in heaven. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 33, it says this, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And when you, when you do that, the purses of heaven, can I tell you, they'll never get old or develop holes in your treasure. When, you, when it's in heaven, no thief can steal it and no, and no one can destroy it. No moth can destroy it. You and I want to live with a heaven on our mind by giving to advance God's kingdom. What, did I, what have I learned about giving the top two lessons? The principle of the heart, the principle of eternity, and number three, the principle of life change. 
I want you to notice this in Matthew chapter 6. We're talking about storing treasure in heaven. It says in verse 19, do not store up treasure here on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. When we give our money to God, we store up treasure in heaven. And I personally believe this. I think the greatest treasure in heaven will be talking to all the people who were impacted because you and I invested our time, our talent, and our treasure into the kingdom of God. Church, I cannot wait to get to heaven and to meet thousands upon thousands of people, maybe even millions of people who came to faith in Christ because of people's church. I can't wait to hear the stories from ladies at Mabel Bassett Correctional F Facility who were incarcerated, but we, because we have a church there and people that go and serve there every single week and the gospels preach and many of them give their life to Jesus Christ. I can't wait to meet some of them in heaven one day. I can't wait to hear the stories of, of people because we started churches all across America through ARC and see them in and their lives were changed by the power of the gospel. I can't wait to heaven, get to heaven one day and to hear from children and parents who came to faith in Christ because we bought them Christmas presents and bought them backpacks and school supplies every year and some of them gave their life to Jesus Christ and we'll talk to them in heaven. I can't wait to hear from people who have been set free from drugs and addictions and found hope in Christ through the ministry of Hope is Alive that we partner with every single month. I can't wait to one day hear from the thousands of people in Haiti that came to faith in Christ because we sponsor 100 children in Haiti with a Christian education, with food and with clothing, and we're going to hear their story one day. I can't wait to one day be in heaven and to hear from people all around the world who came to faith in Christ because we send missionaries all around the globe. I can't wait to one day hear from people right here in Oklahoma and Indiana and talk to them in heaven. Then they surrender their life to Jesus Christ because you and I stayed focused on the Great Commission and we kept starting churches. We kept starting campuses. We kept building buildings. We kept renovating buildings. We kept inviting our friends. We kept serving. We kept loving. We kept doing outreach. We kept discipling and people have come to faith in Christ. All oh, the greatest treasure in heaven will be meeting all the people who are in heaven because of us. And I want to share with you one of those stories. We shared this at one night. It just happened. It touched my heart because you and I started. We gave. We prayed. People are serving at our Edmond campus. Lives are being changed. I want you to check out this life change story. Definitely growing up was really hard. My family was very distant from each other, so it was hard to have a family support. My grandma has always been the biggest supporter when it comes to anything related to Christ, but we kind of stopped going around the time she found out she had diabetes. After that, I kind of lost my way whenever I got into high school. I thought my senior year would be the best year, and like, I always had great grades. I was a smart student, and I felt really prepared for that year up until my I think it was the first two weeks of my senior year, and I was mentally and physically assaulted, and it was by an older guy. 
and I knew like my family would be even more hurt if they knew about it so I kept it to myself and I became suicidal I became way more depressed and I just lost all my faith in everything it ruined my whole senior year for me because I gave up on everything I didn't care anymore and I was like nothing's worth this I started failing in school I started skipping classes and so I kind of just said I'm over all of it and I just I just want something to make me happy and make me feel better and my escape was either drinking or hanging out with friends to forget about everything going on in life. And then recently I had went through a breakup but his mom was like a mom to me and she knows everything about me and my past and she told me about the Edmond location opening up. She convinced me and so we ended up coming to the Edmond location on September 10th for the grand opening and that day I felt like God spoke to me and everything that I was going through it felt like he was listening and he was there. They asked for people to come down in prayer. I went down and I cried, I cried, I bawled my eyes out and I'm like I need this, this is where I want to be all the time, this is what I want for my life. Jesus is telling me now is your time, you don't need to wait, there's nothing to wait on. So I got baptized and as soon as I came out that water I was happy and I was like this is what I've been waiting for. And Ever since that day, it's just like my faith has grown constantly. I went to Grove Track and it was really good and they helped me determine like what I wanted to do within the church. I am a part of the dream team um, at the Edmond location. I watch the two to three year olds. Jesus has been there for me constantly. Every day I notice little blessings that I wouldn't notice before and I wouldn't be thankful for. I'm happy that I'm alive. I'm happy that I'm here. Thank you to everyone who invested and took time and money and everything in them to start this Edmond location. If it wasn't for you, I probably would not have gotten back in the church and for that I am very grateful. Come on, isn't that awesome, church? That's awesome. One of the principles that I learned that changed my heart was when I give to God, he uses it to change people's lives. Here, here's the fourth one. Here's the fourth principle that I, I learned, that, that this top five principle, and that is the principle of tithe and offering. So I got saved in a football locker room, and we woke up Oklahoma at the age of 17. And I went to church that next Sunday, got water baptized, and I heard about tithing. And I immediately started tithing. The first Baptist church in Wewoka, Oklahoma, on Meccasookie Street, from my paycheck from Moore's IGA, that was also on Meccasookie Street. I sacked groceries back then, church. I sacked groceries. I would take them to your car, and hopefully I didn't drop your milk. Uh, but th this, is, this is my story. I'm just giving you my story. When I heard about tithing, I never struggled with tithing. I hear some people struggle with it. Like, I never, I never tried to argue or debate giving to God. This is just my story. It was a joy for me. Matter of fact, if they could have read a scripture to give 50% of my money, I'd have gave 50%. Come on, I was just glad God saved me from the hell I was in. Anybody else was a hellion and God saved you. Man, I was just glad. I'd give you my life. I'd give you everything. And, and so, so this principle, this principle of the tithe, it's, it's shaped my life in so many ways. And I want to share some of the verses with you out of Malachi. 
And these verses right here have impacted my life on the subject of generosity more than any other verses. It says this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are you robbing me? In tithes and offerings. And I learned that there was a difference between returning the tithe and giving offerings. That helped me so much when I understood that the tithe is giving God the first 10% of all your income. Offerings are when you give over and above the tithe. I learned that from this scripture. And, and then verse 9 says, you are under a curse, you, you, you whole nation, because you are robbing me. And I learned that we can miss out on God's best when we don't return the tithe. And then verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe. I learned in my early, about 18, 19 years old, I learned to tithe off my gross income and not the net to return the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I learned that my tithe is given to my local church so that there is food in God's house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And Tiffany and I have experienced God opening the floodgates of heaven and pouring out blessing after blessing because we have been tithers and have given offerings. Here's my prayer and my hope is I really do want you to experience blessing after blessing that comes from giving your tithe and offering to the Lord. That portion of scripture has impacted my life more than any other scriptures on the subject of generosity. Here's number five. Here's the fifth principle. It's the top five principles I've learned on generosity. Number five, the principle of sowing and reaping. Now, I get excited about this one because the greatest revelation I've ever learned about generosity was the principle of sowing, sowing, and reaping. I, I believe this is going to really, really help somebody. It really helped me. It absolutely changed my life, and it changed my future when I understood this. It was Lynn Wheeler. Lynn, I love you. I called. Actually, I left Lynn a voice memo yesterday, and I just thanked him. I said, Lynn, thank you for mentoring me. Thank you for teaching me this. It changed my life. And in my early 20s, I learned this from Lynn Wheeler, and I watched him live this, and I learned and watched about sowing and reaping and learning from him. And I want to just teach you some of the things that I learned from Lynn and from the scriptures in my early 20s that transformed my life. Here's the first one. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the principles first, and then I'm going to take you to God's word. Okay, let me give you the principles that I learned. Here's what I learned. You reap what you sow. So I learned that you reap what you sow. If you sow apple seed... You get apples, not oranges. I learned that. If you sow pear seeds, you get pears, not apples. If you sow love, you reap love. If you sow unforgiveness, you reap unforgiveness. If you sow kindness, you reap kindness. If you sow money, you reap money. You reap what you sow. I learned this. You reap after you sow. Changed my life to understand this. So you can't reap a harvest if you don't sow seed. Now, farmers know this. They can't expect a harvest of apples if they don't plant any seed. There's no farmer walking out on the grounds today in their farmland going, grow, and they hadn't planted any seed. No, they know better than that. If nothing's growing, it's because they didn't put any seed in the ground. But here's what I used to think. I used to think, God, I will give to you when you give me some more money. Like, that's what I thought. 
But I learned, Lynn taught me this. I learned that I had to sow seed before I could reap a future harvest. And so Tiffany and I have been sowing offerings over and above our tithe for 24 years now. And we're always giving because we want to have seed in the ground for a future harvest. When we give it to God, it leaves our hand, but it doesn't leave our life. There's a harvest. So here's what I learned. It's the principles I learned. You reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. Farmers understand this. That's why they sow. They sow an apple seed because they know they're going to get an apple tree that produces a lot of apples because you reap more than you sow. You can never outgive God because you reap more than you sow. Here's the last one that I learned about the principle of sowing and reaping, and that is you reap in proportion to what you sow. So a farmer can't sow a little seed and expect a generous harvest. If they sow little, they reap little. If they sow a lot of seed, they will reap a generous harvest. The amount of seed we sow determines the size of our harvest. So let's look at God's word. This changed my life. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 6 says this. Now, I'm not taking this out of context. You go study it on your own. This portion of scripture is talking about giving. It's talking about generosity. Let's look at it. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly or gives sparingly, will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously or gives generously will also reap generously. So if you sow little, you'll reap little. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. You reap in proportion to what you sow. Verse number seven says this. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. So whenever we get paid, we should return the tithe to God first. But when we give our offerings, we should be led by God's spirit. We should not give under pressure. We should not give with a bad attitude. Nobody should have to twist our arm. We don't want our arms twisted. We want to give generously and cheerfully whatever the Lord tells us to give, not under compulsion. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10 says this, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So it says God supplies seed to the sower, not the keeper. See, you reap after you sow. And I, I, I've learned that everything God blesses Tiffany and I with isn't for us to consume on ourselves. Some of what God gives us is seed to be sown. And over the years, we have sown a lot of seed into God's kingdom. And time and time again, God increases our store of seed. Here's the question, why? Why does God do this? Let me give this to you, why does God do this? So we can continue to be generous on every occasion and reach more people with the love of God. Let's look at that next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter nine and verse number 11. It says, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So when we sow seed into God's kingdom, God continues to bring a harvest back into our lives. Why? So we can continue to be generous on every occasion. If God can get it through us, he will get it to us. Why? So that we can continue to be a blessing to our hurting broken and lost world who needs Jesus. 
God blesses us, not just for us. He blesses us to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing on every occasion. You sow into the kingdom of God, and God blesses you so you can be a blessing on every occasion. These five top principles changed my life in the area of generosity. Father, I love you. I give you praise. I give you honor. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these principles, the top five lessons I've learned. And I think people sense my heart today. I really love this church. I really want what's best for them. I really want something for them, not from them. And I want them to walk in your blessings. And Father, I pray today that you would deal with greed in our hearts that always is trying to attack. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that we'd be generous people. I, I pray that we would really understand that generosity is not an income issue, but a heart issue. And, and Lord, we'd really pray about honoring you. And Lord, we'd really seek your face about what you want us to give in the miracle offering and lead us, not under compulsion, but by the power of your Holy Spirit to see more changed lives, to store up treasure in eternity, to have a mind that's focused on heaven. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. As, as eyes are still closed and heads are still bowed around this place. I'm, I'm talking to some people that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and I want you to know that we started this church and with you in mind. Yeah, every single Sunday when we meet, I'm always thinking about how do I disciple the Christian and how do I reach the person who's far from God? It's always on my heart. It's always on my mind. It's always in my preparation time. It's always, God, how do I disciple the Christian and how do we reach the person who's far from God? And I want somebody to know this service was designed with you in mind. God loves you. He cares about you. People are giving and serving and praying and inviting to reach you. God loves you. And this is your moment to say yes to Jesus. There's somebody here today that needs to rededicate your life to the Lord. You've been away from God during this Thanksgiving season. Would you come home? Would you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Would you say yes to him? Would you today repent of your sin and turn your life over to Jesus? Today's your day to recommit your life to the Lord. If that's you, as I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand high. Today, somebody's going to get right with God. This Thanksgiving week, somebody's going to walk out with a heart full of gratitude that your sins have been forgiven and you're right with God. One, two, three. Just lift your hand high and say, Pastor, that's me today. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. So awesome. See your hand there. Others, see your hand there. So awesome. Hands are going up. Come on, other locations. Just lift your hand up high. If that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus. You want to say yes to him. You want your sins to be forgiven. You want to be made right with God. Are there others? Are there others? Are there others? Every location. I'm going to ask hands that are raised to pray this prayer with me. Confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And God's going to wash away your sins today. Would you pray with me right now, Heavenly Father? I turn from my sin and I turn my life to Jesus. I confess today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I will live for Jesus the rest of my life. I thank you for your amazing grace and mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.